0: Today's Hot Forward podcast is proudly sponsored by Niche Solutions. One of the biggest challenges faced by the brewing and beverage industry is environmental sustainability. And at Niche Solutions, they're promoting new ways to do business by investing in innovative, energy efficient projects with low impact on the environment. Their NC6 can holders are just one new, cost-effective way for brewers to make a difference, and they're already proving popular. The UK's first 100% eco-friendly six pack holders are made from 100% recycled wood pulp, which in turn is 100% biodegradable, and they are proud to say they have earned the prestigious Dinserto Certificate of Compostability. Whether you're a brewer producing cans of beer or a consumer drinking them, it surely makes sense to stop using plastic can holders. Why add needlessly to the planet's mounting plastic waste problem and create a long-term threat to the environment, to birds and to sea life? Even beyond the problem of landfill sites and oceans filling up with plastic, the old plastic six-pack can holders pose an extra hazard to birds and animals. That's why many customers now snip them with scissors before disposing of them niche solutions new nc6 six pack can holders fit 330 mil cans 440 mil tall boys and 500 milliliter cans and are priced at only 23p each ask about the can holders the next time you place your order with niche solutions at www.nichesolutionsgb.co.uk. that's www.nichesolutionsgb.co.uk. This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. hear that? That's the sound of toast. And you hear that? That is also the sound of toast. Yes, today on the Hot Ford Podcast, my Beery Comrades, we are talking all about toast, both of the bread variety and the beer variety. Uh, As you heard from our sponsor this week, the environmental impacts of plastics on our world is frightening to say the least when you actually stop to think about it. But did you know that the food we produce as a global community is subject to as much waste and also has a detrimental effect on the earth? Obviously, I'm not abdicating we all become Amish and grow our own corn and milk our own cows and brew our own beer. Uh, uh, Wait, you you kind of already do. Uh, It's about making... Little incremental changes to the way we live and conduct our businesses, whether it's choosing recyclable materials to print your flyers, uh, buying metal casks over plastic ones, even though they're a higher cost, or ensuring spent materials are disposed of in an environmentally friendly Way We can all do our little bit to ensure the earth just goes that extra mile. It's like, come on, let's get it over the finish line. Um Before we go into today's episode with Louisa Zion from Toast, a beer brand that uses bread going to waste to create their beers, I want to tell you about something exciting uh, that's happening in Sheffield in just over a month. As you're aware, alongside Running Hot Ford Limited, I also run my own small brewery, which at the moment is very, 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 Small. It's a long story which I'm sure I can share with you over a beer sometime uh, called Emmanuel's and I've been threatening to resurrect uh, this brand for over a year and although it would have been more poetic to do it at Easter, I'm relaunching the brand this Christmas and in order to kickstart the festive season... I'll be pouring my beers at the Lost Industry Tap in Sheffield on Sunday, the 1st of December from 5pm with a night of beer and carols. Although these will be funked up festive hymns rather than Songs of Praise, Crimbo special choral efforts with Alid Jones, who incidentally did a feature on Emmanuel's for Songs of Praise back in 2016. But that's a whole other story right there. Uh, Anyway, the industry tap in Sheffield, Sunday the 1st of December is the place to be, all invited, be there or be square. Right, shameless self-promotion nearly over (laughs) if you like the hot for podcast you can support us in one of the following ways Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on your chosen platform this will help raise the profile of the podcast and therefore serve more people like your good self with knowledge tips and inspiration and interviews from the beer industry you can follow us on all the socials or hot for beers you can check out hotford.beer and see what we can do for you to add value to your beer business with creative and marketing solutions or brewery services or business support, whether you're a brewer or supplier to the beverage industry. Or you can literally buy me a beer at hotforward.beer forward slash support as a nice way to say thank you uh, and to help keep the show on the road. Or you can even sponsor the podcast if you're a supplier and want to get your message out there to our many listeners. Okay, now the shameless self-promotion is over, um, I'll leave you to grab some toast of your own as we chat with Louisa Zion from Toast Ales, all about sustainability within the beer industry. My guest on the Hot four podcast today is Louisa Zion from Toast, how's it going?
1: That's great. How are you?
0: Uh, I'm okay, thank you. Yeah. Good. Good. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? How long you've worked in the beer and brewing industry, and a bit about what you do at For Toast.
1: Yeah, sure. So, I uh, set up Toast back in 2015 with our founder, Tristram Stewart. Um, he is a campaigner um, on the environmental and social impacts of food production. Uh, my background was as a consultant at the Carbon Trust, so working in sustainability. Um, prior to that, I had a pretty mixed background. I trained as an accountant, I was, um, had a law degree, was doing a bit of all kinds of things. Um, I took. Some time off um, when my children were born and retrained in uh, digital marketing. So um, I had a bit of a varied career and then met Tristram, who'd had this great idea to set up um, a business to address one of the UK's biggest food waste problems bread 44 um, percent of bread in the UK is never eaten um, uh, but it's a essentially a grain and makes delicious beer um, as part of the grain bill so he ha- had an idea after meeting with the Brussels beer project a brewer, Based in Brussels, who had used bread um, in one of their beers, and he put the ideas together. And, um, and yeah, and I worked with him to get the business set up. Um, I I've had a few different roles at Toast. Uh, currently focused on brand and sustainability.
0: Wow. Okay. So, so what's different about Toast from other more traditional breweries, and how it's set up?
1: Yeah, I guess uh, we are coming at it from a different perspective. Most breweries are set up um, by people who've started in the beer industry. Maybe they've been home brewers, or they've been working for a brewery and then gone to set up their own brewery. So it's been very beer-led. Um, we, as a team, um, and we're, we're now twelve people. We're kind of we're all beer fans, but mm-hmm. we didn't have the beer industry experience. Uh, so I guess we're, we're led by our purpose um, uh, rather than necessarily the beer. The beer has become something that we've loved um, and have learned a lot about. We've brought in-house specialist skills. So we have um, a brewer that that works with us, but we also contract brew. So, and this aligns with our um, approach to everything there is slack in the system so there are many breweries that are have spare capacity that they're not using and so by contract brewing we're able to take advantage of that spare capacity take advantage of their skills Mm. as brewers their equipment etc to create beers and it gives us lots of flexibility as well um, around scaling so we've grown very Quickly. we started with small batch brews of about 2,000 bottles um, with hackney brewery and uh, so based in London uh, back in late 2015 and are now uh, brewing with wold top in Yorkshire um, at a much larger larger scale um, so yeah I guess we've uh, we've We've uh, just come at it from a different perspective, Um, but we're as passionate, I would say, about the beer industry.
0: So going back to those early days with Trishnam, so you you guys set up Toast originally. Um, Like, where did you start when you were like, oh, we've got this great idea, sustainability, let's use old bread, like, go. (laughs) Where where did you go from there?
1: Um, So I had... Uh, basically rang around a whole load of breweries um, based in London and had conversations on the phone with uh, about 10 different breweries Um, Hackney brewery was the one that was immediately interested in working with us Um, so we'd met up with them and um, and yeah and talked about the idea I then also phoned hundreds of bakeries across London, (laughs) Um, starting in Hackney, um, so we worked uh, with a few uh, based up in Stoke Newington, Clapton, um, Hackney Central, very localised to the brewery, uh, to agree to take the surplus that they had at the end of the day, so any loaves that were left on the shelf that had not been bought, completely fresh but just surplus to demand for that day, um, I worked with a friend of mine who is a designer um, to create a brand mm-hmm. uh, and packaging for the the product, and we pitched the idea to Jamie Oliver. Um, he was filming uh, as I- you do. <laughs> Ja- Jamie, Jamie. Got- <laughs> well, well, Tristram had actually worked with Jamie before. Oh, okay. Uh, Tristram set up a charity called Feedback, um, and they do a lot of work at a systemic level, looking at the drivers of food waste. Mm. Um, and one of the projects that they do is um, the Gleaning Network, where they organise groups of volunteers who will go to a farm when the crop is going to be wasted usually because their order has been cancelled or changed by a supermarket or the produce has not met the cosmetic standards that are required at the yeah. supermarket and so for the farmer it is um it's not cost effective for them to harvest and try to find another route to market often the produce is also you know it, it's uh, you know, when when it's ready to harvest, it's ready to harvest and so you can't store it anywhere mm-hmm. until you find a market. So they um Jamie had filmed already with the gleaning network and seeing that operation in practice, they um, you know, then work with food charities like Fersha to get the surplus food to uh, food banks so that it ends up feeding people so jamie had helped to tell that whole story about food poverty food waste and how you know some of the the, the system is not really working for people in the planet so we already had that connection and uh, yeah we we pitched the idea and he was really keen to film what it you know the, what it would look like to see a brew with um with bread so we worked to a pretty tight deadline to join all the dots and make it happen, and yeah, brewed our first beer in uh, August 2015.
0: Mm. Wow! So I mean, what's different about running an organisation like Toast that's got this, you know, partnership with Feedback and um, you know, like a charity, to a regular run-of-the-mill kind of business?
1: There's not really any difference in terms of running the business. You know, we ultimately still have to produce great-tasting beer that people are going to enjoy and want to buy. We've got to sell the beer um, to um, like to the on-trade, to mm. retail, etc. It's like it's you know all all of the standard things that go around that as well with um, managing people, managing our finances. Ultimately, we're a private. Um, company we are um, aiming to make profits because we invest all of those profits in charitable work so all of our profits go to feedback um, as our key partner we also do lots of collaborations with other breweries and with with each collaboration we choose a charity partner to work with um but, and, and so that, um, I guess that is different in terms of our drivers, which impact the, um, the motivations that people have for working at Toast as employees and working with Toast as partners. Um, but, it, yeah, but we're, we are a, a business and so we still have to cover costs and make money.
0: Yeah so going back to the whole contracting thing um like how did you guys make the right choice when choosing a brewer starting with hackney right up to kind of wall top and and even the brewers that you collaborate with around the world like what what sort of criteria are you looking for obviously then they can brew with bread yeah (laughs) i would imagine it's pretty high on the list (laughs) (laughs)
1: um well most of those that we've worked with have not brewed with bread before so that's where we come in that's why we have a brewer in-house and that has that expertise about how to manage bread in the process there's a there's work to do in preparing the bread to go into the mash um, and understanding the way um to avoid a stuck mash for example which is one of the big problems with bread Um, a recent uh, collaboration we did with unity brew mm-hmm. um, they also had issues with the temperature um, because there's more air in bread so it, it lowers the temperature faster. So there's a lot of technical challenges but that's what we're bringing to the partnership um, in terms of choosing who we work with we're looking for breweries that share um, some of our ethos around sustainability so uh, initially with hackney uh, one of the factors was that they were local um, and you know, we uh, um, in terms of the miles um, travelled for the ingredients, it was a local local bakeries, brewing locally. Um, some of our first customers were based in Hackney. Um, uh, the Dalston Curve Garden, for example, is a really um, uh, beautiful venue that was, we still work with. Clapton Craft Bottle Shops. Mm. Um, so there was a really nice local store They also um, bought in. Um, 100% renewable energy, um, and then as we've scaled up, we're, um, we, you know, we have to consider um, the commercial um, factors like the the cost, um, but we're also asking questions around um, yeah, the whole sustainability of the process. So requiring that the spent grain, for example, is not just ending up in landfill or wanting that to go to, um, usually it goes to a farm Mm -hmm. um, where it's uh, either fed to animals or uh, returned to the land um, and composted um, or looking at other means of using the spent grain, uh, where they're sourcing their energy from. So Walled Top, for example, they power the brewery operations with a two wind turbines that right. they have on site. Um, they also have a borehole, so they take their water from the ground, and the wastewater goes through reed, bre- reed beds back into the land, where it, so the reed beds filter the water to cleanse it. Um, and they also used to be a farm where they grew barley. So the barley that we use with World type is grown on site at the brewery. It travels about 20 miles down the road where it's malted and then comes back to the brewery to, to be used in the brew. Um, so, yeah, definitely there's a, an element of sharing our ethos. Um, and because part of our the proceeds of each beer will go to a charity, it's also them having that um, you know that desire to support local causes as well
0: yeah let's see It's that's really great what you say about sustainability because I know breweries use a lot of energy and for every pint that's produced you know lots of brewers are using roughly around three pints of water to make that one pint whether it's through heat, heat exchanges and cleaning regimes and all the rest of it and i think i guess the question i had before you said all that was like well are you not just kind of giving on one hand but taking away with the other but evidently not you know you've obviously done your research as to you know who you're choosing to to partner with i mean do do you think sometimes there can be a pressure for um for brewers to you know because it's it's not an industry where you make shed loads of money um and and lots of profit you think there can be the temptation to you know not do things as ethically or sustainably um because you know everyone's running at a really tight margin you think well where, where can i save money you know because obviously when, when, when you're doing uh things that help in the environment and uh, you, it costs more and it, you know and it should and it's right that it costs more and, and we should invest in it but um i mean what, what are your thoughts sort, sort of surrounding all that
1: yeah, um, so I think like sometimes it doesn't necessarily have to cost more. So I think like with water, for example, you can look at um, uh, like water recycling or reusings. So that you um, like we've worked with brewers who um, use some of the water from the brewing process to clean the mash tun, um, or they reprocess that water through the, the um, uh, through the cooling systems. Um, so there are ways of reusing it, um, but. So, uh, yeah, sometimes that does require an investment in the technology to enable that to happen. I think, though, I think generally as citizens, we're all increasingly conscious of the environmental challenges that we're facing. Mm. And I think as individuals, we all want to be having a positive impact on the planet. Um, and then we're, of course, also driven by our customers. So, our I would argue that our environmental principles are actually one of the key selling points for toast. Yeah, you know, we've worked really hard to make sure that we've got great tasting beer. um we've won great taste awards for those, and we're you know we're really proud of of that. Um, that the beer isn't, very expensive because we do want it to be accessible to people so that everybody has the opportunity to to drink toast and do something for the planet. Um, but those are kind of hygiene factors. And then uh, consumers are now really looking for ways that they can have a positive impact on the planet by taking small actions, small wins that mm. added together can all... Um, like make them feel better make them feel that they are um they are taking um steps to 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 reduce their impact or to have have a positive impact and so there's a demand there mm. um and you know, the beer industry is also very competitive so um finding a way to um to use the fact that you have a sustainable approach to business as a selling point i think it is also very important and increasingly so there's going to be such demands on all business i believe not just the brewing industry um, but for all business to demonstrate that they are aware of and are at least planning and and have a plan to take action to improve their environmental impact. and that you know we've seen it happen with packaging in particular with plastics um, those companies that are not acting quickly enough to make positive changes um are called out by consumers mm-hmm. and people will you know will vote with the with their wallets as it were so i think there will become an increasing pressure to do that
0: yeah so why does food wastage have such a big environmental impact i mean i, I think it's something that A lot of people, myself included, if I'm brutally honest, when you're doing your weekly shop, you don't really think about it, Um, you know, and it's kind of like, oh, like my my youngest daughter, like she, you'll say in the morning to her, do you want some apple juice? Yes, please. Are you going to drink it this time? Because if (laughs) I give it to you, you better drink it. No, I will. I will, daddy. I will. I will. Okay, you know, and then you give her a little bit. No, I want more than that. It's like, look, you you can have a bit more when you drink it. So she'll she'll drink the first bit. Then it's like the rest of it, right? Okay, you can be trusted with more now. Does she drink it? No. So (laughs) it just goes down the drain. And as far as I'm concerned, she didn't drink her apple juice. It's wasting money and so on. But obviously there's an environmental impact on her... I'm not scathing her on my podcast or anything, but, uh, you know, um, you know, on her I not, don't worry. I'm from Yorkshire. Get it, get it down there. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I were that pit anyway. Um, yeah. So, you know, like, w- w- what is the environmental impact of food wastage?
1: So I, and I think you're right that people don't necessarily think about, um, the environmental impact um, of, of food waste, and part of that, the reason for that is because we're so disconnected from the whole system of where our food comes from. So the issue with food waste is that it's the food production system is has such a huge impact on the planet. It's responsible for eighty percent of deforestation. Wow. Seventy percent of the fresh water that we use. 30 percent so you know nearly a third of all the emissions that are contributing to climate change come from our food production system um you know we use huge amounts of energy and we pollute massively um both to the water the air and the air um and so to have gone through this whole process of growing processing transporting storing um you know even at the storage side there's you know Refrigeration, and yep. you know, there's question about beer as well. Everyone, you know, wants to have their beer um, kept in, in cold storage, but there's a, a huge impact um, on the environment from refrigerants, which are, are gases that are that are our greenhouse gases. Um, so when we waste food, and um, we waste a third of all the food we produce, we're wasting all of that energy that's been used to produce it with all of the land that's been used to produce it the water that's been used to produce it and we're creating a huge environmental impact for no reason we're trashing the world to make foods that nobody's eating Mm. Um, and then at the end of the scale if the food ends up in landfill then the rotting of that food creates methane which is a, a greenhouse gas that's 30 times as potent as carbon dioxide so Uh, We can reduce the impact, uh, the waste side, by treating that food properly. So if we compost, for example, if it's properly composted, um, uh, then it's broken down by the organisms in the soil um, that prevents methane being released. Um, uh, Ideally, though we are redistributing the food um that we don't want so if your daughter doesn't finish her apple juice maybe you should drink it yourself
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, mo- most of the time i do
1: uh, but yeah we need to be looking right up the food chain and looking at the the production system and saying we don't need to be producing all of this food because we're not eating it so we need to be re- you know producing as much food as we need to eat and then not wasting that food that we eat
0: yeah wow so when you say we, like, are we are we talking the whole of the world, or are we talking the the, the, the first world, or like who who is we?
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. So I do fall into this trap. Obviously, um, you always think of, of things from your own perspective. Um, So we we uh, in the northern hemisphere we waste a lot of food, but there is a lot of food loss as well in the southern hemisphere, where um, there are um, you know not the same logistics um, to transport and um, and store food properly. so cold storage, for example, means uh, if if there's a lack of cold storage, then food does end up being lost, um, is more of the definition of it. Um, but also in uh, like here in, in the Western world, we're contributing to waste there because a lot of the food that we're buying is Grown elsewhere, so um, feedback. The charity that we support, they had done. They've done a number of studies looking at food uh, systems. One chain they looked at, for example, was with uh, green beans, and so those are grown in Kenya. The when the the beans are first harvested um a large proportion of them are disposed of because they are too bendy um or the, the wrong thickness um they're then trimmed so the top end and the bottom end are cut off often so that they fit neatly in nice little plastic punnets so when, um, when you
0: say they're trimmed you mean you, you mean from a visual aesthetic more than there's yeah. there's nothing wrong with it it's just that oh, right it's, it's like when a banana's straight No, you know bananas aren't straight In the
1: bin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it it is an aesthetic thing because you also shorten the shelf life of the bean by cutting off the top and the tail of it. Um, But it ends up with about 30% of the beans that are grown in Kenya being wasted. Um, in order to meet the specifications that we have, and they are changing. So some of the supermarkets have stopped using those punnets. Some of them have stopped the top and tailing practices. Um, but this, so this waste that is caused by, it is caused, you know, in Kenya by the markets in the UK. Um, whilst the people that are producing this food don't have enough money to. Send their children to school. Don't have enough money to feed their children, and yet they're seeing huge amounts of the food that they're growing wasted. So there's a huge injustice across the world as well.
0: Gosh, I'm am a bit lost for words to be honest. I mean, y- y- should we y- get back to beer? <laughs> yeah, maybe it's you know you, you think about this stuff because we're teaching our kids about the environment and sustainability of food and food and wastage and all the rest of it. And we watched a thing with, um, Hugh Wernley fitting. I can never get his Wernley name. Right. Store. That's, yeah, that, that, That's <laughs> the badger. that guy. Yeah. We, we love him really with you. Um, yeah. we, 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 yeah, we watched a program, um, with you, um, about the supermarkets and you know, where they, I don't know if you saw it where, um, some kids had petitioned to McDonald's about the plastics they are using their toys and they they collected a whole bunch of toys from Happy Meals and went to this, uh, McDonald's head office to say, we, we're giving these back to you, you know, that it's not good for the environment. And, um, but yeah, that was, it was all about plastics and the environment. And they took them to McDonald's uh, head office and, and handed the toys back to them. And they got escorted by a bouncer off the premises. Wow. And then some of the senior people working in this office were there gloating through the window and laughing. And it's, I mean, my kids were shocked. We were shocked. Twi- tw- there was a Twitter outrage, you know? Um, but it's, I guess when you, it's easy when you run a brewery and you're in a brewery doing the day to day stuff, thinking I've got to get, I've got to cast that beer off, got to package this, got to do that. I've got to sort my VAT out to, to not be thinking environmentally about the, the long-term effects of, of what you're doing in that moment that will have an effect because everyone's kind of like wait well, it's only it's only me throwing that one thing away but it's yeah said a billion other people you know mm. um so quick just yeah moving it to to bread you say that 44% of the world's bread is wasted i mean that that's an awful lot of not just like bread the end product but the raw ingredients
1: Right, yeah, so it's 44% in the UK. Oh, right, okay. Um, in the US, um, it seems to be more around 35%. Um, it, you know, this is all dependent on the statistics that are available, um, but certainly, you know, it is in the UK, it's one of the most wasted household food items, and we know that it's wasted all over the world. But I, I guess um, in the UK, we love bread so we produce a lot of it as well yep. <laughs> so yeah we uh, we take the heel end of the loaf that doesn't get used by the sandwich industry so if you think about you know you pop into the shop to buy your sandwich at lunchtime none of those sandwiches are ever using that crust end oh, of the yeah. loaf
0: i never and really so, thought about that
1: <laughs> no and so for every single loaf there are two slices wasted sometimes uh, the loaf is Rounded at the end, yeah. and so the first life is, is taken away as well because it's smaller, and so you know they want to have the nice, um, evenly shaped slices of bread to make the sandwiches. So, yeah, up, up to four slices per loaf are thrown away completely fresh bread, um, but just not eaten by uh, consumers. We've, I, I, I think, been um, led to feel that. I don't know. Crusts don't make great sandwiches. And mm. every time uh, I, I mention this on social media, I have so many people reply and say, oh, I love crust. They make like great toasties. And uh, it's my favorite part of the loaf." But um, I challenge you to find a sandwich with a, 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 a crust end in the shops.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've never really thought of that. I, I, I love the end. It has to be like fresh <laughs> bread though, because it's like yeah, the stuff exactly. you get from the supermarket. It's just kind of like it's it's bread in inverted commas. That's what I call it. It's not like proper bread. We should go down to Jebby's Bakery down the end of my road, you know. Yeah. So when it comes to making beer with bread, what are some of the challenges using bread? Because I I once had a bagel company contact me asking me to create a beer for them called Wait for it, Bagel Beer. They were like, got this great <laughs> idea. It's going to be called bagel beer i was like okay um but when i looked into the process i, I didn't want to touch it with a 10 foot barge pole because it just seemed like a re, you know i was going to get st- like say stuck mash and all the yep. rest of it um like what are some some of the other challenges using bread and, and for anyone listening to this that thinks feels inspired uh, by toast to go and make some kind of bread-based beer like what do you do how is it different
1: uh, so first of all like, if you want to try it we publish a recipe online so yeah just go to toastdale.com um, and in the beer section the recipe is available to download for free um, it's probably the most sustainable way of drinking beer there's no packaging associated with it and if you have um, a few slices left and leftover um, the, from the loaf that you're eating then you can use them up um, so we also do lots of collaborations we've done about 45 in the last three years uh, with breweries like wiper and true for pure um, orbit unity uh, you know and as for each of these collaborations we work with the brewer to uh help them find a source of bread so that's one of the first challenges the question mark is where does the bread come from um so we can identify sources of surplus be it um you know the sandwich industry or whole loaves that would normally be discarded uh, the recent One that we did with Orbit Beers was working with the National Bakery School. So the students there are learning how to bake and there is surplus left over at the end of the teaching process. So um, we we worked with the bread there Um, and then the bread needs to be processed. So for many breweries that are not set up to use bread, normally that means lots of tearing of slices of bread, which is quite labour intensive. We usually go down as a team and help out. It's a really fun um, team building activity. And we have the opportunity then to invite other people along, like charity partners and just like the general public and, you know, friends that want to come and see how it, how it all works. Um, But we, at our Brewery partner, we've invested in machinery that um, essentially shreds the bread. Um, We used to dry the bread when we first started um, to give it a longer life. um, And it we just found it was very energy intensive as well as time and resource intensive. So now we're we're able to do it with fresh bread. Um, Some of the things that we do are kind of layering so we still use two-thirds barley with the bread uh, rather than putting the bread all in in one go um, layering that up with uh, the barley Um, we've used rice husks in some of our brews for example to, to help that happen um and yeah and then throughout the brewing process uh, like monitoring the temperature. So I mentioned with with uh, Unity, for example, they found the temperature dropped more because of the air content in the bread. Um, with that, they were using sourdough bread, um, which you'll know is more holy mm. uh, than typical sandwich bread. Um, but then after that, the process is the same. You know, you um, you taste the delicious wort, and um, and then yeah add your hops and then the yeast and ferment it and it's it's the same as any other beer after that
0: so what kind of quality from a flavor perspective can people expect from a beer that's made with bread well i'm I'm guessing it's gonna be bready but
1: (laughs) (laughs) to be honest most of the people if they taste toast without knowing the story don't taste the bread I don't taste the bread in our beer. Um, It's comparable with many um, other, you know, beers that have not used bread. Uh, For some of our collaborations, we've brought the bread taste out more. Um, So the recent collaboration with Orbit, um, we used, um, I'm going to forget the name of it now, but Hefeweiser um, yeast uh, that has like banana flavors to it. So we created like a banana bread style beer um and you can really you can really taste that mm. in, in, in the beer um the brew that we did with unity were we were using rye as well so um to, to make a, a rye beer with them um, so you can depending on the type of bread you can bring out more of the um the bread style into the flavors of the beer Um, but actually the the breads that we use is um it's it's the sugars that we're taking uh from the bread um the starches that eventually the yeast will eat up and turn into alcohol most of the flavor is still coming from the barley um, and from the hops
0: right okay so you mentioned earlier, you've won a lot of awards for your beers and, and not just environmental awards. We're talking like International Beer Challenge, Great Taste Awards. So ob- obviously, you've got a great product, but it's, it's quite a niche product. And um, I, I must confess, personally, prior to this meeting, I haven't had a, a can or bottle of toast yet. I um, must send you some. Oh, oh please, <laughs> yes. The, running a podcast is starting to pay off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I can rest in peace. Um, no, yeah, please do. Um because when I've been stood at the supermarket shelf, I've been confronted by all these beers and, I, and I've seen it um, and I've thought, you know, I must get around to trying that one day. But then all these new collabs from Tesco or Waitrose appear and I'm like, oh, look, Northern Monk have collaborated with whoever it is, you know, uh, this time around. Or, or it's, oh, it's a magic rock and such and such beer, you know. And then, unfortunately, Toast kind of gets bumped down the list. So, like, how, how do you with a brand such as yours which has got a very definite niche get keep and grow customers
1: so i am um, agree we definitely operating within a niche um although part of our strategy of um changing the beer industry to normalize the use of bread in beer and um, we're hoping we'll we'll kind of extend that niche so it becomes less of an unusual factor in what we're doing Um, you know we we share the recipe we collaborate but we also are very open in talking to people about what we're doing so we've seen about 40 different bread beers emerge all over the world um, and it's becoming more common um, I'd say in terms of competing on the shelf we have recently just rebranded so we were very conscious that our original look um reflected the fact that we were we were small we were artisanal um and it we talked about the bread, so we used to have a strap line that was toast brewed bread. That was what we were all about. Um, it didn't really tell the story of our bigger mission, which we've talked about, which is a, about um, tackling climate change and biodiversity loss, um, and doing that by changing the changing the way we brew, changing the way the industry as a whole brews. Um, and so we've changed our look, which also is much brighter it reflects our personality better uh, we like bright colors and positive messaging we've ref- we've been true to the beer category so being bringing through um tasting notes front of pack making it really clear what the beer style is uh, we've put the hops on the back of the pack and you know the beer drinkers are looking for that those um nods to taste um, but we will always be competing against these amazing breweries. Uh, we, you mentioned the collabs. We've at the moment got three collabs in Waitrose: uh, one with Windsor and Eton Brewery, um, one with Wiper and True, and one with Four Pure. So we're really excited to see those on the shelves. And the collabs do give us that opportunity to put out some unique, experimental, short-term beers, while also having our core range um so we hope that you know people will get around to trying it taste it uh we do lots of events where we're sampling so people can try the beer um see for themselves that it's a great tasting beer and um yeah, we, d- we don't expect people to choose toast every time um we would love them to but um you know i myself love trying different beers all of the team do um and i think that's good for the industry that we all support each other and are drinking each other's beers as well um, but i think toast has a, a really strong role to play as part of the mix
0: yeah so i mean this is a very broad generic question which i think most of our listeners will want to know the answer to so i remember when i set up my brewery and brand emmanuel's uh, 2014 my business mentor said quite clearly that um people don't have brand allegiance anymore like they used to and it's really hard to build and so like as you touched upon there with you obviously you've got your core range you're trying to do the, the funky beers for the, for, for the beer heads out there um, and enter and so all these d- sort of different parts of the market H- how do you create a sustainable business um, where you are building some semblance of brand allegiance other you know other than having a mission and clearly communicating it like what other really practical things can you do as a brewery to help build your brand and develop your brand
1: so we talked a little bit earlier about consumers looking for ways to express um, the um, their actions for a better planet um, and you know that to be able to do something positive positive. Um, one of the movements that we've seen growing um, over the past few years is the um, B Corp movement I don't know if you're aware of B corporations uh, they're essentially businesses that have made a commitment to people, planet, and profit um, at the same li- level, so the, the triple bottom line, um, and are certified independently that um, they meet a minimum standard of environmental and, and social performance. Uh, We're part, we certified last year, we're part of that community, which is becoming a movement. um, And we support each other as businesses. Uh, So, um, you know, there's a whole load of companies from chocolate brands like Divine Chocolate, um, tea companies like Hooker Tea, other beer companies, Brewgooder and Stroud Brewery are both B Corps as well. Um, yeah, a whole range of businesses, um, and I think as people become more familiar with what B Corps are, uh, they will um, they will look for businesses that meet those that, that those standards. Similarly to um, how you know people looked for Fair Trade. Um, as an indicator of a responsible supply chain. That that is one um, thing that that we're doing uh, to grow people's trust in us as a brand and and therefore know that when they're buying toast, they can be confident um, in the credentials that we have. Um, and that that we've communicated um but yeah it's it, it's difficult right it's a competitive market and um it, you know it, for us also it's about finding not just consumers who will be loyal but bigger customers yep. so um you know we're working with some uh, bigger organizations if like the, I know it's a, a topic of discussion um in beer, twitter um but the uh, like the supermarkets for example we went into tesco and waitrose fairly early in our journey um about a year into our existence and um we've had their support uh in in growing as a, a business um not it's not easy um but you know we are we are selling to them and then they're supporting us to sell to the business so waitrose is a really good example they have set up a b corp shop so if you go on to waitrose.com they have a whole aisle for all of the b corp brands mm. um, they also set up a, a waitrose unpacked store in oxford where they've created a shopping experience without packaging and we have our beer on tap so we supply kegs to waitrose and they sell growlers that people can fill up um, take the beer home, drink the beer at home and then come back and, and refill them and I know that's been something that's part of the beer community for a long time, you can take a growler to lots of bottle shops and tap rooms, but it's very new to a lot of consumers um, we've been the first and um, well the only beer company part of that, that trial with Waitrose, which they've just extended to another two stores and they're extending further so a lot of it On the B two B side is about relationship building, um, the buyers or people as well, and so having a relationship with them and um, bringing them along the journey with you as to what your business is doing and your overall objectives, and you know, getting their support to help you and you help them, and you know.
0: (laughs) So what what was it like the first time you went to a supermarket as an unknown brand and business? like pitching your wares like for, for some because I'm sure there are people listening to this thinking we, we want our beers to be next to some of those big hitters on the shelves in Tesco, Waitrose or Sainsbury's whoever like I'm pretty sure you don't just pick up the phone and we were like hi can I speak to the, <laughs> the beer department place <laughs> like, you know it's obviously it's not as simple as that but um, wh- where do people start and what was it like for you when you did start
1: Uh, Yeah, it's really difficult. Um, We're really lucky. uh, Two of our team have come from the industry. So um, like our head of sales, David, um, was previously at Waitrose. Um, Julie, our production uh, head as well, um, has got a background um, in, in retail. So we already had people in the team that understood how that worked. And I think that's probably why we ended up going down that route um, we didn't have people in the team that had on-trade skills and experience um, whereas most breweries would go to pubs first you would um, you know you would drink a beer in your local pub before you would see it on the supermarket shelves i think we just we were just had a different skill set in the team that led us in a different direction um, we, so we went into the supermarkets in 2017 and that we've seen a huge change since then uh the so you know waitrose has just um set up the the waitrose beer festival where they've got all of these collabs on the shelf at the moment uh tesco's range has it Expanded considerably. Uh, we're also in a Cardo and co op. Um, so, all of the supermarkets are looking at their beer ranges, and the buyers want to have really exciting new beers on the shelves. So, I think it's actually a really good time. Um, to be talking to the supermarkets, it is really difficult. And um, both from a stock management perspective, you know, you always have to be able to fulfil your orders with a supermarket. Um, so you, you need this. You need to brood enough to make sure uh, that you don't have shortages. Which you know, obviously, if you brew too much, there's um, you want the beer to be as fresh as possible, and uh, you don't want to the cost of holding stock for too long. So it's really important to get that balance right. Um, and then, um, the you know, selling to the supermarket is just the first step. You do still have to then sell to consumers. Yeah. And there are things that you can do with the supermarkets, like sampling or in store um, activations, the little, the called barkers, the shelf labels. Um, but these things all cost money. Um, so it's uh, yeah, really important to have that relationship that, with the buyer that will enable you to find ways to cost effectively promote and sell your products. Um, through the supermarkets. So. Mm. But yeah, if anybody um, wants to chat to us about how we did it, very happy to have the conversation.
0: Oh, amazing. You've got a team in America as well, that's right, isn't it? Is that right? Yes,
1: yes. So we launched in New York about two years ago. Um, with the plan to uh, expand uh, through the US, Um, but the US has proved to be a very difficult market Um, uh, to run from the UK in particular. It's uh, it's expensive to operate uh, in New York in particular, and um, so yeah we're <laughs> it's the business is growing but not um, necessarily as fast as we'd originally planned it to and it's taking a lot more of our time to support the business okay. there
0: so for a global company such as toast with that office in new york like how do you keep the nuts and bolts of the business running and communicate with each other well and then keeping up with projects and keeping them on target
1: uh so we um we use tech a lot. So we use Slack as a means of communication between all of the teams. Um, We're very open in our sharing of information. So we use Google Docs, for example, um, with all of our files are open so that we can share information between each other. We have regular calls uh, with the team in the US. Where we update them on what's happening here, uh, and they update us on the US, and then individual people have a relationship with the, you know, between between those teams. So um, I talk to them specifically about branding um, and, um, and any work that we're doing on marketing in the US, um, and then the sales team will talk to the sales, etc. Um, and it works really well. I think that we kind of grew up that way because when we first launched, there were four of us and we didn't have an office. So we were mostly working from home or we'd have our meetings in a pub. Um, it was like the the, the alternative to meeting in a cafe with a laptop. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we were really used to working remotely and communicating with each other Um, you know you and i now are doing a a skype call Uh, the tech is there so that you're able to um, to communicate Uh, it also means that you don't have to travel Um, we have i've been to the us once um in three years to make you know just to make sure that i knew the team and to work on some big projects there um but we we minimize travel um to, to not have the environmental impact um, of flying in particular
0: All right, okay how are you encouraging breweries in the uk and beyond to get involved with the toast revolution through collabs is that something that people can reach out to you and be like hey we want to make a bread-based beer or are you going out and choosing breweries to work with? or how, how does that work?
1: Yeah, so we have been very kind of ad hoc, I guess, um, in terms of uh, whether they've approached us or whether we've gone out and spoken to particular breweries that we wanted to work with. Um, and as a result, we've ended up um, doing a lot in particular this year. We're trying to be much more strategic next year um, and make sure that we're finding uh, an opportunity to work on together, that we can make something more of. So for example, we've uh, actually the end of this year, we're doing a collaboration with Brewdog in Tower Hill, um, working with a charity called Hubbub, who uh, work on behavior change campaigns, particularly around uh, climate change and the environment. So we're going to be using Uh, pumpkins that have not been sold at Halloween um, and making a a pumpkin beer um, for the the Tower Hill site with BrewDog. Nice. We did do a collaboration um, on the um, West Coast um, that was It was with google um it was for an event that they were doing so we set up a collaboration um but it was a a kind of one-off we do lots of so when we collaborate most of them have been in the uk but we've we've done that one in um uh, i think it was san francisco um we've done one up in um Sorry, skip my mind. Uh Sweden. We've done one up in yeah. Sweden. Um, we've recently done one in Australia as well. Um, but we have a partnership manager who manages all the collaborations in the UK and internationally. But yeah, so go and then going forward, we want to make sure that we have a partner that um that addresses a you know a particular challenge that we have, either to reach um, particular consumers to address a problem uh, like we're doing with the pumpkins um, and then therefore to communicate that um, as a, a marketing campaign but we're always really open to hearing from breweries uh, so yeah by all means like if you're in, if people are interested in working with us then get in touch um, and we'd love to have more conversations
0: amazing so um, last question what what's baking at Toast? About this next season, what what you bring up.
1: (laughs) Nice pun. I couldn't I couldn't help (laughs) but
0: get that in there. Sorry.
1: (laughs) Um So, well, um, we've we've got lots of things going on at the moment. We've just finished a few collabs, um, so um, rolling those out. Um, I mentioned that we've gone into co-op as well. We're doing a really fun augmented reality campaign um, with co-op and um, Social Enterprise UK. So we are a social enterprise. Uh, They run a bi-social campaign in uh, October for the week to encourage people to buy from social businesses um we've got michael sheen appearing out of a can of toast um telling the toast story and talking about social enterprises hang on
0: hold (laughs) hold the phone okay
1: michael sheen yeah yes Wow <laughs> So he, he's an ambassador For Social Enterprise UK um, And there are a few other people That are as well And so yeah he's working with us um, to help us to communicate the story in a in a different way wow <laughs> so that'll be fun so that yeah that's happening in october that'll go live in fact the cans will be going live into co-op imminently um and then we'll be working on on that campaign with social enterprise uk
0: fantastic brilliant. Uh, well it's been amazing having you on the show today um, just what's your website so people can check out toast and contact toast you?
1: Style. Yep, we're toastale.com and at Toastdale on social media.
0: Amazing, brilliant. Thank you, Louisa.
1: Thank you. Great chatting.
0: Today's Hot Board podcast was brought to you by Niche Solutions Brewery Essentials. I hope you felt inspired by today's episode to think more about the environment when you brew and package your beer. So make sure you check out the NC6 can holders from Niche Solutions, along with many more products to ensure your beers are of the highest quality. Check out NicheSolutionsGB.co.uk for more innovative products like the NC6 can holders. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Forward podcast this week. Don't forget we're here to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. So hit the subscribe button for more insights into the beer industry. Connect with us at hotforward.beer or through our social media channels at HotForwardBeers. Until next time, cheers. Hi, 3,